Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in today's Clark Rageous Moment, it is just a weird, weird story about a woman's purse and all the things that have followed from one woman's purse being damaged by a bottle of wine. And coming up later, I have talked to you about e-buyers. I got questions repeatedly about e-buyers. These are uh, organizations that buy your home based on an algorithm and you move out based on your schedule, no showings, nothing like that. I'm going to tell you some new information about using an iBuyer to sell your home. So our main website's clark.com. And as we get steadily closer to the key shopping week of Christmas, I want to tell you we are on the job at clarkdeals.com. We have the Clark Deals Daily Newsletter. It's free. And we're going to make sure you know up to the second hot deals as they appear across the retail landscape in stores and online. So do you know how much a mess it is with medicine where it's the only industry in the United States where information that needs to be available on your medical history, medical health, is haphazard, almost never available. You think about most any other industry in the United States where we don't want people to be collecting deep data about us. It's done extremely efficiently, usually, and the depth of information they have on us is shocking. But the medical industry has been a total failure at deep data and making sure that, let's say somebody comes in in an ambulance not conscious. In the United States today, ridiculous as it is, the emergency room doctor or nurse cannot go on a database and find out what's been going on with you unless you were specifically treated in that hospital system, if that. So Project Nightingale, Nightingale, like, you know, the nurse, anyway, is a huge effort going on with the second largest hospital system in the United States with people across 21 states. It's, it's a Catholic chain of 2,600 hospitals called Ascension. And they have hired Google to come up with a deep database on the medical conditions of each person, medical history of each person who's in their system, and they're using artificial intelligence to be able to use predictive analysis on proper treatments for somebody 
who comes in with an illness based on their history to make that available to a doctor or a nurse. Now, what's weird about this is there are people who've been hostile to Google doing this. Initially, uh, Google had kept their involvement with Project Nightingale a secret because they were worried that people would freak out that Google was doing this. Wall Street Journal found out and published the first account of this. But this is really important stuff. It is ridiculous that in the United States, with the technology available today, that we don't have solid databases where when you go into a facility, that they don't have the information about pre-existing medical conditions that you have, past surgeries, whatever. And relying on us as patients is just a joke. I mean, as a guy, I don't remember when I had something or what I had. Women are better at this. But as a guy, I don't remember. And it could be to my detriment and cost me my life. And so this is really, really important that Project Nightingale succeed and expand. And I know there's always the danger because medical accounts for roughly half of data breaches in the United States, but the data breaches in medicine overwhelmingly are people trying to do financial crimes because hospital systems have had such antiquated databases that criminals find them easy picking, especially doctor's offices, to get in and get people's personal information. That's why you should never, 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 not ever, under any circumstance, ever, Put your social security number on any medical form anywhere, hospital, lab, surgery center, diagnostic center, doctor's office. Never put your social security number down there because with all the other information they collect from you, address, phone number, and all that, coupled with that social security number and the lack security of medical systems, you would put your information on a silver platter for a crook, an identity thief, and you don't want to do that. Gavin is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Gavin. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Certainly, Gavin. You are a diligent saver for your future and have a question for me about that, I gather. Yes. uh, I was looking at the options that I have for my Roth IRA, and I was wondering if it is unwise to invest in sector funds uh, which I can I understand can be more volatile if they have a uh, you know even if they have a twenty or even thirty year track record of of producing um, very excellent returns. So um, sector funds are sometimes referred to as the halfway house between broad index funds and owning individual stocks, mm-hmm. because in a sector fund you're buying let's say um, the oil industry or you're buying technology companies, or you're buying uh, Chinese companies, or you know, you're buying a specific part of our economy or the world economy. So it is, it is something that people will do to uh, not create their returns, but to juice their returns. And there's an economic theory, an investment theory, that originally was coined as 
core and explore. Is that a term you've heard before? Uh, yes. So if you if you get the core, you know, you do a broad stock market index, you do a broad international index, you do a broad bond fund, and for many people, having those three funds is plenty. If you want to go past and try to get a little more for your money with with more risk, so it could boomerang on you, you could lose money, you could take a portion of the money you invest and go sector, which normally people would do somewhere between 10 and 25% of their money as sector investing if that was something they believed in. Okay. Yeah, and that seems reasonable. I, you know, I, I also know you, you need to be aware of what's going on in that sector. You know, for, uh, for healthcare example, uh, for example, like you were saying, um, you know, it has, the, the cost of healthcare has increased so much in the last 20 years that it's not really a sustainable growth curve. And so that, that might not be a sector fund that you want to want to get into since something has to change with healthcare. Right. And, you know, but the funny thing with healthcare is people have been saying that for 20 years that the healthcare curve has to bend. And it's just now becoming something that it could be a defining moment in uh, next year's elections is what individual candidates in each party propose to do about runaway healthcare costs. So, you know, the industry has a bullseye on its back. And there's going to be, uh, at some point, some method, either economic or political rationing, that will attack healthcare costs. And so you're you're exactly right. You can't look back at what's happened with healthcare and say, well, those huge gains are going to continue going forward. And another example is energy. You know, we're doing miraculous things in the United States with hydraulic fracking and the amount of natural gas we've been able to produce, the amount of oil turning into fuels we've been able to produce. And the problem is we've been this enormous success with it, but so many of the companies that do it are losing money. Yeah. So that's why sector investing is always a minor portfolio placement instead of a major portfolio event. All right. Well, thanks for your advice, Clark. All right. Have a great day. And the most important thing, keep living on less than what you make and slap that money in that Roth IRA. Sheldon's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sheldon. Hey, Clark. How are you? I uh, appreciate your taking my call. Certainly. Uh, this isn't about sector funds, and I don't think this is perhaps too difficult, but let me just give you a little background. I'm going to be flying over to Southeast Asia next March, flying to Beijing, and then uh, subsequently taking a cruise out of Singapore. And what I have found is that, without mentioning any of the airlines in particular, the travel uh, between Beijing and Singapore, I have found one-way tickets or 50 to 60% higher than the taking the same trip, purchasing a round-trip fare. And a matter of fact, the one fare that I saw that was 
that happened to be $375, the same different airline, but the same time of a flight from Beijing to Singapore round trip is $220. So I don't know if this is a scam. Uh, and if it's not a scam, my question would be, is it illegal to purchase a round trip air ticket? And only use with, it one way. Right. Knowingly up front. Oh, you didn't. You didn't know. You didn't know. So, no. Actually, people do that regularly. That's not the one the airlines freak out about. What the airlines freak out about is if you bought a ticket, let's say you were flying to Singapore, but you bought it with a connection, let's say onto Bangkok, because that was a lot cheaper, and you didn't take the flight Singapore to Bangkok. That's when they freak out. But if you buy a round trip ticket and you only use half of it, then that's just fine. I, I know of no circumstance where anybody has ever gotten in trouble for doing that. Well, that's good. I will pass that along to my wife, and that will put her mind at ease. So we hopefully we'll be enjoying that trip next March. Right, so something I want to mention to you, you, so then the cruise goes from Singapore back to Beijing? No, it's Singapore round trip. And what I had what I had done already is I purchased through a local airline a uh, round trip from Atlanta to Beijing, and then the return from Singapore. Uh, it happens to come back to Atlanta, but uh, then I later making some inquiry about you know paying for the leg from Beijing to Singapore. That's where, you know, I saw these fares and I just didn't understand, you know, why there would be that much of a difference. Oh, it, it happens. Not. It happens routinely that a round trip can be even less than um, half the price of a one-way. And wow. It's just because <laughs> that's the way airfares are sold. And so you answered my second question, which is you knew to do an open jaw for your return back to the United States. And so that way you have less flying that w- doing it that way. And uh, rest easy. You're not going to have any problems buying that round trip you only use half of. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Today's Clark Rageous moment just has so many elements to it, I don't even know where to start. And if you've heard this story, you probably will shake your head the second I start talking about it. So a woman was at an exclusive country club called the Alpine Country Club. So exclusive, I've never heard of it. It's in the tri-state area. If you don't know what that is, that's New Jersey, New York, and Connecticut. So anyway, uh, she's at this exclusive country club having dinner, and a waiter accidentally spills wine on her purse. So the woman sues the country club for the the spill on her purse. 
The country club then in turn sues the waiter who spilled the wine. Why such a big fuss? The purse was $30,000. So wait a minute. You can go buy an entry-level luxury car, brand new, for what this woman paid for a purse that one of my staffers had to tell me how to say it. Joel, do you remember how they said to say this? Hermes? Her- I, think, I think Hermes. Hermes something yeah. like that. Whatever that is. It was something called the Hermes Kelly bag, I think is the deal. But, <laughs> I mean, come on. If you are crazy enough to spend $30,000 on a purse and you take it out and you don't have it in some kind of spill-proof bag to protect it, well, that's on you, not on the poor waiter. And what in the world is going on here with all the, I mean, what rich people problems? The woman suing the country club that then sues the waiter Where's the waiter going to come up with $30,000? Seriously. I mean, crazy. When I see the ads, I don't know anything about fashion, but th- there are purses you can buy for 10 bucks. What could make a purse worth $30,000? That seems clark rageous to me. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off. Clark.com is our main site. Clark Deals is our bargain site. And I got to tell you, we got deals galore for you. We're posting hour by hour for your Christmas shopping pleasure. So I shared with you back in the summer about selling an investment property of mine through what's known as an iBuyer. These fast-growing companies across the, particularly the South and the West, a little bit in the Midwest, almost none in the Northeast, where instead of listing a home the traditional way with an agent who does a guesstimate of what the list price should be, the home's put for sale, you do open houses, you have people come and look and all that. The iBuyer market uses deep data to establish what they believe with they try to get to 99% accuracy, what is an accurate selling price, and they make you an offer to buy your home, and you choose when you want to leave. And you're just done. No showings, nothing like that. And as I shared months ago, when I sold an investment property, it was a two-bedroom, one-and-a-half-bath rental property, I put it out there to various iBuyers. One wasn't interested in making an offer. 
another made an offer and then the third made a higher offer and I went with the obviously the third highest offer higher offer and the property based on their algorithm they came up with a price I was comfortable with that price there were some repairs and updates they wanted done to the place that I agreed to and they front the money for that and then they get that money back at the closing they got the work done in days because they have their own staff of people that do the minor repairs and the cosmetic stuff and bam it was on the market in just days once I accepted it and went under contract that same day so the question I've been asked over and over again since I said that and I said at the time when I talked about it on the air and I didn't name the company because I was worried that um, that maybe this was an unusual silver plate kind of experience I was getting but now according to an analysis done by University of Colorado by a University of Colorado professor who's dug deep into data on two of the home selling services neither of which I use Zillow and the other open door found that the prices people are being offered are actually too good for the consumer that these companies after their expenses and what they're able to sell a property for that there's no way they could be making money Zillow said that they are not making a profit on these homes and they said that they're not actually trying to make a profit which sounds really dumb to me but anyway I was very comfortable with the offers I received even the lower one I thought was a very reasonable offer and it worked out really well for me it doesn't mean every time but what I did learn is how important it is for you to get offers from multiple companies there's gonna be a shakeout but right now there are several of these there's knock open door offer pad zillow and a few other smaller ones that are operating depending on the company in dozens of cities or a dozen cities or whatever so you have to go to the websites and see if you have a home you're trying to sell if they're selling in your area and then they have their criteria where they decide whether or not they have the data to support making an offer on your home if they don't have the data they won't make an offer and so as a general rule of thumb they none of them have any interest in the top 20 percent of a market top 20 percent price point in a market because it's too hard for them to come up with good historical data and set a price where they don't get clobbered that they'll pay you because then they got to turn around and sell it themselves um second they're not interested in the low end of the market because it's also volatile so they do the great middle of the market which is roughly probably about 70 percent of homes in an area that they serve and so it it's not a real test that i did it once and i can only tell you that my experience was great my experience could also turned out terrible but the preponderance of experiences that were analyzed at the University of Colorado found that this is a fair deal to home sellers 
and it gives you certainty and eliminates hassle. Greg is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Greg. Hey, Clark. Nice to talk to you. Well, it's great to have you here, Greg. So you have a very important question for me. I think I do. Um, so you mentioned a lot about this fiduciary pledge and how we should be uh, going with people who have this fiduciary pledge. And uh, I think I have a, a, my guys a fiduciary. They tell me they are, but um, how do I check them out? Is there a governing body or should I be asking for some sort of signed pledge from them? Yes, there, there is a fiduciary pledge. Um, we also have an article on Clark.com that walks you through. It was written by a finance guy who writes stories for us named Wes Moss, who takes you through the protocol step-by-step step, how you would be able to verify that somebody really is a fiduciary and the things that you require of them. Because unfortunately in surveys repeatedly there are people who claim to be a fiduciary who aren't in specifics the form you're looking for is the adv part 2a disclosure that's a mouthful right the adv part 2a disclosure and so we have all the information on that in this article that will take you through step by step how to be sure that you're not being hoodwinked by somebody who says they are, but isn't really following a fiduciary standard, which is a legal standard. It's not just a word, although people throw it around as a word. It is a legal standard where they have to put your interests first. So what happens so often is somebody who claims to be a fiduciary and may not be charging you apparent commissions is still getting kickbacks from companies that they recommend the uh, stocks of, the mutual funds of, or investments of. Okay. And that's why you're wanting to be very careful that the person who says they're a fiduciary actually is. And as I've heard, surprisingly, from this is a, the form I talked about is one that is something that anybody who is a well-trained financial person, even if they don't comply, they will be aware of. But I keep getting people coming up to me saying that they asked about that and the person that they were thinking of using or they do use didn't know what it was. Mm. That's a pretty serious thing, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is. So good for you asking questions. So I, dial back a second. Is this somebody you're thinking of using or somebody you already use? Somebody I already use because they said they were a fiduciary. And do they charge you any commissions or they charge you a flat 1%? They charge me a flat 0.9%. 0.9. Oh, so you're getting a discount on the 1%. <laughs> so uh, it would improve the odds if you're paying roughly around 1%, which I'll call it in your case, that they are not getting kickbacks, that they are not doing things that are not in your best interest. But it doesn't mean that for certain. And that's why taking them through the protocol is a good idea. 
Will do. Thank you, Clark. Really appreciate it. All right. Best to you. And I got to congratulate you, even though I've had people ask me about this off the air in the way you did. I've never had anybody ask me on the show exactly like you did. And that's very thoughtful the way you asked about this question. Betty's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Betty. Hi. Hi, Clark Howard. I'm so excited to talk to you. Well, that is so kind of you. I mean, I've liked you since the first time I heard your voice on the radio. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm uh, 32 years in now. Wow. So it's been a long time. Yeah, well, I'm 75 years old. Okay. <laughs> so I've heard you from the beginning. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, how can I be of service to you today? Well, it's been years since I've had a microwave uh, problem but uh, this microwave just died. The light works, the a timer works, but it doesn't heat. So I started looking for what how, uh, online, and all I would find would be you could get them from like $150 to over 1000 And, of course, my daughter's always reminding me that Clark Howard always says <laughs> to buy at certain places the best deal. So I just don't know. I, I need a white one, and I don't – I. I find these things that they talk about that I, I, those sensors or something about cooking. How do you know that you're getting what you need and it's the best deal? Well, any of them that are going to be available today are going to be much more sophisticated than what you have had over the years. Uh-huh. You, even the most basic units you'd buy at Sam's Club or Costco are going to do everything you could possibly want. So it really comes down with a microwave to finding one in the size that's appropriate for what you want to heat up. If you want one that goes under counter, that would be a thing to narrow the choice. But is this just a countertop? Uh, No, this is uh, over the range top. And my range is white. So is my refrigerator and my dishwasher. Okay. The only thing that's uh, stainless steel is the little... uh, Uh, oven next to it but they don't sell much white at all all right well let me tell you some places i would look um best buy when they do an appliance sale often is the best buy on microwaves well that's the first place we went to and they had one that was regular like uh i think eight hundred dollars for like 350 but it was in stainless steel and he said it would cost 69 dollars if I if they ordered it and I had to pay for it to be delivered. I mean if I had even if it was delivered at the store. Uh-huh. I don't know why that would have been. Um that sounds odd to me. So uh how much time do you spend searching online? Um probably uh several hours. All right. So go on bestbuy.com and see if you're getting the same story looking online. Oh, you know what's funny? Is the one on, online at Best Buy? That one, if you buy it in stainless steel, it's like three hundred and fifty. If you buy it in the white, it's all the way to the what six ninety five or eight hundred for the same model. For the same model, obviously, people don't want stainless steel right now in that particular product. Well, let me give you another place to look. Okay. On eBay, which you might not think of for appliances eBay is a great place to look for clearance deals on appliances. Oh. And there's a daily deals section 
on eBay that you just go to ebay.com slash deals. Uh-huh. And eBay has become a big source for kitchen appliances. Oh, well, they're all like new? Uh, well, they'll tell you if they're not. You know, they'll tell you if they're scratch and dent. But often it'll be one that's either a manufacturer or a distributor trying to unload unsold inventory oh. or a retailer trying to get rid of inventory. In either well, case, they're really, really good deals for appliances on, again, it's ebay.com slash deals is where you look. And since you know the exact specifications, how big the wave can be since it's going to be over your stove, you know the exact dimensions for that, it's really easy for you online to make sure that what you're ordering would be that. It's time for Clark.com slash ask. That's where you post a question for me. And if you check the box there, you speak specifically with me on the show. Otherwise, you may get advice from a member of our team, the Team Clark Consumer Action Center, or Joel may ask your question for you right here on the show. Clark A.H. had a question, says, what's your opinion on the new PayPal 2% cashback MasterCard? You don't need as high of a credit score to be approved for it as you do with the City Double Cash Card that you talk about so often. So it's a kind of a niche product that I, that I don't know why I ignore it. Maybe that's just bad on my part. I shouldn't ignore it. Okay, so here's how the PayPal 2% cashback MasterCard works. It works like the City Double Cash, like the Fidelity Investments 2% cards, that you just straight get 2% cash back. But the way it works with the PayPal MasterCard is PayPal is trying to get us to use it more and more as a payment platform. When we go to a store online to buy something, when we go to a physical store, more and more accept PayPal. So what happens with your 2% cash back is it's posted into your PayPal account, and when you buy things using your PayPal account, that's when you get the benefit of the 2%. So it's perfectly fine. It's just um, PayPal's way of giving you 2% in order to help the rest of what they do. All right, Megan says, my fiance and I are looking to plan our honeymoon for next summer. We've looked into Costco's vacation packages, particularly to Hawaii. Are these a good deal or is it cheaper to book flights, hotels, and cars separately? So Costco Travel is a very well-run organization. And because of Costco's strict limits on how much they can earn on anything they sell you in the store or at Costco.com or Costco Travel, They rebate a lot of the cost of a trip to you, usually in a Costco cash card. And the agency is one that does very high volume and has apparently extremely high customer satisfaction. It is my belief if you are a very determined shopper, you will do better in the Hawaiian Islands booking the individual components yourself. But it's much easier and it's still a good price booking with Costco travel. So maybe poke around a little, see what you can do on your own. And if you're like, this is more hassle than I want to deal with, then look at booking with costcotravel.com. This is the Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.